What's up, guys? How's it going? Can you hear me all right? Is this thing, am I on? Uh, so yeah, this is week three of our series called Theology Matters. Can I get these lights to turn on a little bit? I don't, just so I can see you guys. Um, I'm going to start off with prayer, and then we're going we're gonna to talk about angelology. Hey, I can see you guys. This is sweet. Um, which is the study of angels, the study of angels and the study of demons, which once were angels. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, so that's what we're going to get into tonight. Um, these two books I have right here, remember when I said I have a theology book that's like three times the size of the other one? This is it. This bad boy has like 40,000 things in it. But this, I mean, angels, I personally never, never thought you could really study angels that much. I mean, I, I knew they were listed in the Bible in Revelation and Daniel um, telling Mary and Joseph about hey, you're going to have a baby boy and he's going to be the savior of the world kind of thing. No pressure. Um, but I didn't know you could study that much about him until I actually finally did study about it. And, and it wasn't actually, it was like less than a year ago. And it's pretty crazy. I mean, this book, the big one alone, has like 40 pages. And it's like double, I mean, it's insane how much stuff there is about angels that I never knew about. And so... This is probably my second favorite thing to study behind eschatology. So, like, I love, I love, love, love talking about angels. You guys might like talking about zombies, but I'm like, hey, let's talk about angels. Hey, let's talk about demons kind of thing, which that's a little bit creepy. Um, but I'm not really like that anyway. So let's pray, and we will, we will jump on in, all right? Heavenly Father, God, just thank you so much uh, for, for every student that was able to come tonight. God, I pray that we just open up our hearts to you um, in our minds, God, that these, that these worksheets would be something more concrete for them to take and, and remember and, and look back upon. Um, so, God, I just pray for us tonight and just uh, help me with, with going through this all. God, I pray you just help me speak clearly to them and uh, work in their hearts, God. Amen. So, yeah, if you guys don't have a blue sheet, Brad's got one. Raise your hand. Don's got one. Maybe not Don. Oh, sorry, it's not Don. It's Tim. Nate Brown. <laughs> All, all gray hair. There you go. Um, so yeah, grab one of those. We're going we're gonna to study a little bit out of those. And then also, there should be some space on there for some other stuff that I didn't put on the worksheet that we're going to get to. Um, but hey, we're going to breeze through this pretty quick again because there's a lot going on. Um, we're going to get pretty deep with angels, but with demons, uh, we're not going like, to cover a ton of, okay? Because... That can, be, that can be really skewed a lot. So that's kind of what we're going to fix a little bit tonight. Uh, but the definition of angels, everyone have one? We good to go? Chris Smith needs one. I saw her hand. Um, the definition of angels, they are created spiritual beings with moral judgment. Okay? And guys, these sheets, uh, I don't care if you doodle on them as long as you're paying attention. But I hope you guys can keep these. I, I know a lot of you guys like worksheets. Um, that way you actually remember what we talked about more than 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, keep these. These are awesome. Uh, we made these. Like, it took me forever to do this one, uh, but I love doing it. Um, so they are spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, but without physical bodies. Can they have physical bodies? Uh, yes, they can. But in their natural form, they do not have physical bodies. Uh, the word... Uh, the word, the word angel is found 300 times in the Bible. So obviously they're listed a lot, right? 17 books in the Old Testament, 17 books in the New Testament. Um, so they're referred to a lot. Um, they are created and have not been existent forever. 
Um, a lot of theologians, a lot of scholars, were all theologians technically, but most scholars believe that they were created after humans were, um, which again, I, there's not really like scripture on that. It's just kind of like their belief because we're going to get this to later, but um, because of the love God has for us over angels even. Um, so that's in Second Peter 2.4, the, the second half of this, but they fell in sin. Uh, so they're created and they were created perfect like we were, but they fell in sin, okay? Uh, again, we're going to get this a little bit later, but Satan, um, and he was known as, as Lucifer. He was a cherubim angel. He rebelled against God, and he convinced one-third of the angels to come with him, and God cast them out of heaven and condemned them, okay? So that's where we get demons. So demons are just like evil workers. They're like minions for, for Gru kind of thing, okay? They're like stupid little creatures that follow a stupid guy, um, you can call Satan stupid, I think. So, um, angels can talk and interact with people. Matthew twenty-eight five is just one example of that. There's tons of them. Um, another one would again would be Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, telling Mary, "Hey, you're prego. You're going to have the savior of the world." Um, but humans should not ever call upon them, nor demons. 2 Kings 6, 8 to 18. If you guys want to turn there, you can. You don't have to. I'm just going to tell you a little story. So Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha. There's a difference. Elisha was like the apprentice of Elijah, if you don't know that, okay? Um, so Elisha was the, was the prophet of Israel. And Israel was at war. And the, the king of, of uh, the, the opposite team of the Israelites, Amorites or something, um, he was trying to figure out, like, hey, we're going we're gonna to cut these guys off. We're going to cut them off. We're going to hide out in this little mountain pass. And when they stroll through here to get to their, to their city, we're going to destroy them. And Elisha, being a prophet, he got a word from God saying, hey, tell your king not to go through this area. And the Bible says such and such place, so I don't actually know the place. He says, tell your king not to, not to take his army through there. They're going to be destroyed. So he says that, and they go around. And this king is just ticked. He's like, what, what happened? Which one of, of my servants is serving the Israelite king? And they said, no, 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 it's not us. Elisha, he's, he's a prophet of God. And they said, he knows what you say in your bedroom. Kind of creepy. <laughs> but the, the concept of that is, is God, this God that Elisha worships knows everything. So he avoided that. So this king comes and he, he marches down on, on, their, on their city and he surrounds the entire Israelite city with an army. And he, he's saying, knocking on the door saying, bring us Elisha, I'm going to kill that dude because he messed up my plan. And one of Elijah's servants came and said to him, hey, dude, look outside the city. How are we supposed to avoid this? We're going to have war. We're going to get destroyed. And Elisha prays to God and he says, God, open up the eyes of my servant. And so his servant, we'll call him Daryl. I don't know his real name. We're just going to call him Daryl. Okay? Daryl opens his eyes. He's like, all right. Uh, my eyes are open. What am I supposed to look at? And Elijah's like, bro, <laughs> check behind you. And there's a mountain pass behind the Israelite city, okay? And so he turns around and he looks up, and there's a huge army of flaming horses and chariots with angels with flaming swords. And he, Elijah says, we're not alone. We're not going to fight this battle alone. So angels can interact with people, okay? That's, I think that's one of the coolest passages to study on, on angels. I just, 
That would be amazing. I got like goosebumps, chills thinking about like turning around and seeing that. I mean, what would you even do? I would wet myself, maybe. Um, so moving on. So they can talk and interact with people, okay? So they, letter D. They cannot die, so the original number created will not increase or decrease. In Daniel 7, and Hebrews 12, Revelations 5, it kind of says the, the number of the angels numbers myriads times myriads, 10,000s times 10,000s. Which if you take that literally, that's either 101 million, or if you combine them, that's in the trillions. That's a lot of, that's a lot of angels. There's 7 billion people in the world, and we're talking about potentially trillions of angels. Other names for angels include, but it's not limited to, because if you actually want to look up every name for, the, for an angel, there's, I mean, you're going to have a very, very long, extensive list. Um, a is sons of God. It's in Job 1.6. That's one of the places. We are also sons of God. Okay, so that's kind of cool. B, holy ones. Psalm 89.5. That's where you're going to find that. There's spirits. And letter D is watchers, which is also in Daniel. You're going to hear me referencing Daniel and Revelation a lot tonight. There are three types of angels listed in Scripture. A is cherubim, which is C-H-E-R-U-B-I-M. The U might throw you off. Cherubim. They had the task of guarding the entrance to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were on earth. Okay? So again, they see, a flaming, they see an angel with a huge flaming sword. It's like, I, I like to picture the sword like Athena's prime sword, only it's on fire. A little bit cooler. Um, they also were um, they surrounding the throne of God. And even like some references are, are saying like they are, like God, God's throne is like on them, like on top of them. Like he's flying with these angels. Um, and he's surrounded by them and they're worshiping him day and night. There's statues on the Ark of the Covenant. Um, if you guys don't know what that is, it's in the Old Testament. If you were not one of the, the selected, the appointed, anointed um, guys who carried the Ark of the Covenant, if you touched it, you're done. You died. So this Ark of the Covenant had, had the law of Moses, had Moses' staff in it, had other things, um, important stuff. Um, so that's, that was, on top of that, there were, there were statues of, of cherubim. And there's obviously other job titles for them, okay? Um, another thing is archangels. You can put that in, like, right after a letter A. Archangels, um, it just means an angel of high rank. They, they were cherubim, so that's Michael and Gabriel, those are the only two names given to angels other than cherubim, and the other two we're going to study here. They are listed 92 times in the 13 books of the Bible. That's more than, more than any, I said most of any other angel. I, said, I meant to say more than any other angel listed, unless I fixed you guys' copy. B is seraphim. C-E, or sorry, S-E-R-A-P-H-I-M. Seraphim, they're only mentioned in Isaiah 6, 2-7. And they continually worship the Lord saying, holy, holy, holy. Uh, I, had, I had a revelation class a long time ago, um, and I had to do a research paper on this. Like, what does holy, holy, holy mean? And it's only listed in Isaiah 6 in the Bible, and then in Revelation like three times. The only time you'll see holy, holy, holy. And every time it has to do with God and God alone. Because holy, holy, holy. Anytime you, you repeat something three times in the Bible, or, or when, God, when Jesus says truly, truly, that's twice. 
But anytime something is repeated, three times especially, it means like, hey, this is the most of the most, the holiest of the holies, the purest of the pure, okay, the biggest of the strongest kind of thing. Every time it's referred to God. C is living creatures. If you look up that, it's found in Ezekiel and Revelation. And they are around God's throne representing the four parts of God's creation. You guys know what those are? You guys, anybody know what these angels are? Go ahead and say them if you know. Anybody? Fire, earth, and water. No, that's an airbender, avatar, whatever that is. Whatever those things are. Um, so God's creation as a lion representing wild beasts. So our friends coming from Africa, they have a lot of wild beasts over there. None that I want to mess with. Um, an ox, which is domesticated animals. Ox were huge in their culture. Now we call them cows. Only there are two different things. We just have more cows in, in America. Man. Man representing humans. That's weird. And then an eagle representing birds. So if you want to look up that stuff, it's Ezekiel 1, 5 to 14. Obviously, we're not going to look up any of these. Um, at least most of them we aren't. Um, the, so the lion, the ox, the man, the eagle. If you look that up, they, they, the angel is technically not a specific angel, not a, or not a specific lion, not a specific man, ox, or eagle. Okay, It's a representation. It it's, might, might say it has the head of a lion, it has six wings, it has eyes all over its body kind of thing, different stuff like that. So like, if you look up what these creatures look like, I mean, it's pretty, pretty nuts. God has a very good imagination in creating them. Um, so it's just a representation. So number four, there is rank and order amongst the angels. A, Michael is an archangel, and the title indicates rule and authority over other angels. He is called one of the chief priests, or sorry, chief princes in Daniel 10.13. So in Daniel 10.13, um, you, see, you see the picture and the story of Daniel. He's getting a vision from an angel, okay? And this angel is Angel Gabriel. And he says, hey, sorry, I'm late, kind of thing. He's like, I was, I was supposed to be here a little while ago. Like, that's kind of what it's referencing to. But he says, I was, I was caught up by the prince of Persia until the archangel Michael came to help me. So this, this infers that there are spiritual battles. Is there an angel and a demon fighting in this room right now? Well, I don't know. If there is, I want to see it. But, but it shows that the angel Gabriel was truly fighting a demon or, or Satan, okay? Until the archangel Michael came to help him because the archangel Michael must be a hoss. Uh, Michael is also the leader of an angelic army. It's in Revelation 12, 7 to 8. He is fighting the dragon in the end times, otherwise known as Satan, the devil. Uh, and they defeat him. You know, that's, that's awesome. We're going to get into that in a little bit too. But they defeat him and cast him out of heaven um, and throw him to the, into the pit, the darkness. Um, so flip your sheets over. Letter C, there's no convincing support for the idea of guarding angels. And once a loved one passes, they do not become angels watching over you. I know that's hard for some of us to hear, literally. Um, angels play more of a zone defense rather than a, a man-to-man, to give that a little bit more of a better analogy. Because um, they do have the task of, of guarding and protecting us. They do. That's one of their purposes. Um, but it's not really like, hey, 
You know, like my dad's bigger than your dad, my guardian angel is bigger than your guardian angel. It's not like that. Um, in the New Testament, they talk about when Peter, when he's, when he's released, they say Peter's angel is knocking at the door, meaning he's, he's about to possibly die, be killed. Um, that doesn't mean that it was his specific angel. It's just saying the angel of the Lord, like the death angel is, is at his door. Um, but once a loved one passes, that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm very gracious with it because I know like that's a huge belief is like, well, once my grandpa dies, my grandpa's watching over me kind of thing. Or football players, athletes all the time say, you know, I, I, I praise God for this and I thank my mom who passed away five years ago. I know she's watching over me. She's got her wings kind of thing. That's not true. Um, I don't want to offend anyone by saying this, but it, it's just not true. They do not become angels. We do not ever become angels, okay? Um, as I said earlier, they cannot increase or decrease in number. Um, if you guys want to talk to me later about that, you can. We're going we're to keep moving on, though. So there are many purposes for the creation of angels. Um, they show the greatness of God's love. And they show this, the greatness of God's love because they are created. One of their purposes is to protect us, like we just talked about. But, but we, as human beings, are made in God's image. Angels are not, okay? So that's another picture of God's love. Like, he created us in his image. They are kind of a higher being than us right now, but eventually we become rulers and judges over them. Judges over them. Judges, not a word. And the biggest part of that is that God saved us. Okay, have you ever wondered about that? Okay, why? So there's demons and Satan. They were once angels. Why did God not save them? Why is he saving us? Good question. He's showing his love through that. Angels remind us that the unseen world is real. And if you guys didn't get that, angels sinned and yet God is not saving them. That's that one right above on on A. Angels remind us that the unseen world is real. So we just talked about that with Elisha and his servant Daryl. (laughs) Angels are examples for us in their obedience and worship. Obedience slash worship, worship, whichever one you want. Um, so with, with our prayer, or our, our series about the Lord's Prayer a few weeks ago, um, Matthew 6.10, kind of like the last section of that, is, is Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Angels obey and worship God just as we should. And they set an amazing example for that. You know, it's interesting how we always stand when we worship. We always stand when we worship, and in the Bible... Very rarely, if at all, do you see somebody worshiping God on their feet. It's either face down to the ground, on their knees, on their stomach, laying down, just crying out to God. That's how they worship. So it's interesting. I always thought that was, that was weird. Um, angels directly glorify God day and night, okay? Um, and then D is angels carry out God's plans and are mainly messengers for God. So again, for the third time, there's messengers with the story of the birth of Jesus, The angel that broke out Paul and Barnabas from prison was a messenger saying, hey, run this way. Don't go towards, towards that way. Angels do have limits in the areas of strength and knowledge. They have an inability to be more than one place at a time. So with God, we call that omnipotence, omnipresence, those big words, but they just mean all-powerful, all-knowing. All but angels are not. They are stronger than us. They do have like what we would call superhuman strength. They are far more intelligent than us. 
wiser than us, all that stuff. But they have limits. Um, so that's kind of about angels. We're going we're gonna to go a little bit into demons now. So demons are evil angels who sinned against God. And again, guys, I know I'm going through this very quickly. If you guys want to know more about this, don't be afraid to talk to me or a leader. Um, it's not something that's very common to know about. So I'm just trying to get you as much information as I can. Um, they are evil angels who sinned against God and who now continually work evil in the world. Satan was a cherubim before he rebelled and swayed one-third of all angels to follow him, now called demons. We already covered that a little bit. Satan was the originator of sin, that heifer. Not at all, um, sorry, not all sin is from Satan and demons. Uh, we are carried and enticed by our own flesh and desires. Okay, that's in the Bible. You can blame Satan, you can blame demons for tempting you, that sort of thing. But in the end, whose choice is it to actually go through with it? Ours. Mine. Um, so you guys, in Old Testament, um, Baal, the, god, the false god Baal, was worshipped a ton, especially in the Philistine culture. Um, how many of you guys have known that? Heard of Baal? B-A-A-L. That's how you spell it. If you want to write that down, you can. Um, so studying that, the worship of Baal is creepy. I'm not going to talk about it because it has to do with sexual morality, and it's really messed up. Uh, but it was, he was a fertility god. And he was worshipped um, like crazy by the Philistines and, and other cultures in, in the Old Testament times. And he was a false god, okay? Now we call it an idol because uh, they had idols and statues of him and stuff. But in, uh, let me find this. In the New Testament, he's referred to as Beelzebub. So it's B-E-E-B-E-E-L-Z-E-B-U-L. And that in Hebrew means prince of demons. Um, He's referenced, Jesus Christ calls the devil Beelzebub, which is another name for Baal. So it's like you're reading through the Old Testament, you're like, okay, this Baal is a weird guy, he's probably of the devil kind of thing. But then you get to the New Testament, it's like, wow, Baal was Satan. And that just proves to you that all these false gods that you read about in the Old Testament, all our idols that we have in our life, I mean, they're, they're there from, from the devil, from these demons, from these people tempting us, these creatures tempting us. Demons oppose and try to destroy every work of God. Um, Ephesians 6.12, write that next to it. After Galatians 4.8. Ephesians 6.12 talks about, um, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, and he's saying, you know, he's trying to correct them and what they're doing wrong in their church and, and their false doctrine and all this stuff. And he says, your battle is not, is not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. So what does that mean? So what am I? Well, I'm flesh and I'm blood. Do angels have spiritual bodies? Do they have physical bodies? No. So he's saying that, that these false doctrines are not coming from the Bible, okay? They're coming from demons. They're coming from the devil. He's trying to tear you guys apart. So that's important to remember. Um, demons, they, they can, uh, and this isn't in your notes, but they can overtake humans and animals. Demon possession is what that's called. <clears throat> Excuse me. You guys ever seen like an exorcist movie? Um, I have not. I'm scared to death of scary movies. But if I would watch one, it would be that because I would know what's coming. Um, they're limited by God's control and have limited power slash they have to answer to God. I didn't give you a very big space right there. But if you guys read the story of Job, that's not Job. Job 1. Job chapter 1, you guys see the story of, of Job and how he had um, an amazing life. He was blessed and then the God 
allowed Satan to tear it apart. And it was miserable for him. But every time Satan tore his life apart, every time Satan took away his land, his livestock, his family, his money, Satan had to talk to God first. He had to ask God for permission about what he could do, how much he could do, all those things. Um, God gave all believers the ability to rebuke demons and command them to leave through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 9.1 is where God gives us power and dominion over evil creatures, evil, evil demons, evil beings. Um, about a year ago, actually, I, I, in the summer, I did a lesson on um, spiritual warfare and demon possession kind of thing. And You know how you like, determine whether it's a, a false spirit. You guys, anybody you guys remember that? And I told some demon stories about my dad. Um, I, I'll tell one quick. Um, so this actually has to do with, with my soon-to-be father-in-law. It was his first call. Um, and if you don't want to hear this, this is about a demon. Cover your ears, okay? It's just creepy. Um, he was called to this, this house kind of on the out, outskirts of town up in Illinois. And he was called to pray over this lady's house because she said, she called the pastor of the church and said, Hey, uh, my uncle passed away about a couple weeks ago, and I wake up in the middle of the night, and I see him standing at the foot of my bed, and he has conversations with me. And so the pastor called up, Tim is his name, my soon-to-be father-in-law, and he and his wife, Jill, went out there, and they prayed over the house, and they talked to the lady, and they prayed for her, and, and rebuked the demon, and said, uh, did Christ come in the flesh kind of thing, and prayed over the whole house, and they sat down in the living room, and she said, thank you guys so much. But there's another thing I have to tell you. She said, that the scariest thing for me is when I'm watching TV and the TV will just shut off by itself and then I see a face come up in the TV screen and then it goes away and the TV turns back on. And as she said that, it happened. The TV turned off, a face came in the screen and it went away and and turned back on. That's creepy. It's real life. My dad has four or five stories he's told me about demon possession. He has a tape of of a meeting from his old pastor and a woman who her voice changed from like, yeah, I I love God kind of thing, like high-pitched, to one of the lowest, deepest voices he's ever heard, a man's voice. This stuff is real. Angels and demons, guys, the unseen world is is real. I don't want to creep, creep you out with that. But just know, like you have to know what you believe. This is why theology matters, because you need to know how to deal with this stuff. Um, Again, we're going to just bear with me for a little bit. God gave all believers the ability, okay? You do have the ability, whether you think so or not. And the best part of all of this is we already have victory. We already have victory over Satan and his followers through the death and resurrection of Christ. Excuse me. We don't fight for the win, okay? We don't fight for that W. We fight from the win, Does that make sense? Not for, but from. So if you've ever been at a football game and your team is blowing out the other team, 63 to nothing, there's still six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Your team has the ball. You're clearly going to win the game, correct? Yes. There's five minutes left. They have like three timeouts left, so you have to run the ball. Are they still going to tackle them? The game is clearly won. But they're still going to try and they're still going to tackle you, right? The same thing with our spiritual life. We already have victory in Christ, okay? The game is won. 
But these, these demons, these evildoers, are still going to try to tackle us and beat us up and, and tear us down and make us fall apart. The opponent is going to try to destroy you. And that's kind of one of, one of the definitions of, of Satan, of Lucifer, is, is the adversary, the destroyer. Studying theology, write this down if you want, is important because you can't love somebody you don't know or you don't understand. Guys, have you ever gone to your bro and be like, hey, yo, four o'clock, man. She cute. And your guy, your buddy, he looks, he's like, yeah, I love her. I think I, think I love her. Yeah, I do. How do you know that? Um, a really good buddy of mine is trying to, I mean, he's like starting to date this girl. And I asked him, like, hey, man, how, how are things going? Like, well, I, I like her a lot, man. I was like, okay, that's good. How was your weekend? He's like, dude, every time I see her, I fall in love with her more. I like her more. Every time you spend time with God, every time you get to know God more, you should fall in love with him, and you will. Guys, if, you, if you've truly seen God, if you've truly studied God and the Bible and theology, you will fall in love with him more. Because if you don't know what you believe, that belief that you have will be destroyed. Whether it's in high school, whether it's in college, whether it's through, through circumstances in your life that just aren't fun. Turn to Matthew twenty two thirty seven. So Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? Here's what he says, verse 37. He said to him, he's asked by a Pharisee, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, which is what we have. We, I mean, in this room, I feel like we have a lot of of heart love for God, heartfelt love for God. I, I truly believe that. With all your soul and with all your mind. Why would, God, why would Jesus say, with all your mind? You truly cannot know what you love if you do not understand what you love. There's no person or object or field of study as worthy of our brain power as the God of the universe. Guys, when you study God, you feel so much more confident. You feel so much more confident in who you are as a person, who you are as a follower of Christ, who you are in, in your own self-image because you understand more of what your self-image is, I, I'm created in the image of God, the, the creator of this universe. Who cares if I have a zit? Who cares if I have chicken legs? Who cares about that stuff? And, and I do. I have really bad chicken legs. <laughs> you feel so much more confident in, in the person you put your faith in. That's, that's the main idea of why theology matters because you feel... So much more confident in the God that you're putting your confidence in. It's kind of like a, a circular argument there. Um, we're going to pray. And again, if you guys have any questions, don't be afraid to ask. We're running out of time quick. Um, theology matters because it matters in every aspect of your life, in every area of your life. So be ready. I mean, if I were to ask you today, if I was an atheist and I came to you and said, hey, so what do, you, what do you think about creation? What do you think about angels? What do you think about predestination? 
Do you know what that word means? Can you tell me what that word means? Going to OGN or Engage is what they call it now, a um, year and a half ago. That rocked me. I mean, I, I felt like I knew some theology and stuff, but we talked to a guy, and he knew everything about everything with, with religion. And it, I, I felt stupid talking to him. And that really challenged me to go out and study the Word of God on my own. Because I had only listened through classes, I only listened through my youth pastor, through Oasis, through Brookside, all those things, and I didn't know what I believed and why I believed it. So don't be left standing in the dust, okay? Make sure you guys get in the Word of God yourself. All right. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for tonight, and I pray that we just uh, really just do take this to heart of why it's so important to truly study you, um, your Word, the, the different theologies around you, God. We all have a theology so, God, I pray that we just do make it matter in our life. And I hope us have a great night tonight of, of uh, small groups. It's our last night. Help us just to enjoy this time. Amen. If you don't have a small group, if you're new, come up front, and then I or Brad will put you with the group.